Hey everyone, my name is David Nixon and welcome to the Alpha Theta Flow podcast. This is Flow or episode, because I don't feel like, it's not really a flow today, maybe it is a bit of a flow today. Uh, number 770, um, and today I'm actually talking with uh, both Gina Louise, or now, as she is now known, Gina Clark, sorry, Gina Nixon, I should know this by now, we got married last week, <laughs> and uh, her co-host, Alice Lemus, or otherwise known as Alice Jane. And so I had the absolute pleasure of jumping on their podcast, which is called Body and Beyond, and having a chat with them. It's a two-part series, and we were talking mostly about intention versus attention, but as per any decent conversation, it was not restricted to simply a singular subject. Of course, any subject is got a bunch of meta-subjects that feed into it, so uh, this is the first of a two-part series. I hope you enjoy it. The ladies are lovely. You should listen to their podcast. I'll see you on the other side. Hey, guys, and welcome to the Body and Beyond podcast with Alice and Gina. And today's guest for episode 16 is Dave Nixon, uh, author and coach. Hey, Dave. Hello. Hello, Dave. We are excited to have you on for our podcast today. I would love to have you introduce yourself to our audience. Take it away. Sure. Um, my name is Dave. As I mean, is that how everyone starts? I think it is. It's like, what's your name? So, Hello. Dave, um, I uh, have the absolute pleasure of being on today. So, thank you for having, having me on, ladies. Um, quick rundown of my background. I started working in the fitness industry in 2004 uh, as a 15-year-old. Um, from there, I, I was at a place in Canberra called Flames Fitness. Um, from there, I started managing that place at 18 and then moved on to managing the three gyms at 19, left there at 21, started my own own business. It wasn't a gym at the time. It was just a, like a fitness, personal training type, small group coaching business at 22. And then um, 11 years later, we, we still have this facility and, and Gina runs that with me. Um, it's called Functional Fitness Australia, otherwise known as Funk. We're a private health club. What that means is that we offer both workout and work-in type principles for people to be able to um, use the facility for what they need on any given day rather than simply just being an exercise regime. That's one component. Um, I've also authored a book called Mining Yourself. I have a podcast, which is called Alpha Theta Flow, um, which has over nearly 800 podcasts on it. Most of them are 10-minute podcasts. Um, used to be called Mood Prep. So uh, I've got another uh, a book that's um, currently been written that should be out like, hopefully early next year. Um, I don't know. Among other things, we run retreats, seminars. Uh, we're building out trainer courses and coaching courses for both um, physical training components and teaching coaches how to identify learning styles and um, personality types and communication skills so that they can um, not just be dolphins in the industry, which is that they're very intelligent but can't communicate to humans. Um, so, yeah, so there's a bunch of different things that we work on there um, in my background, but that's that's nearly 18 years of experience in a minute and a half. So you've had over 800 podcasts now. How would you say your podcast has evolved from being mood prep and now into the Alpha Theta Flow podcast. Um, so the, I suppose it's probably important to know how the podcast started. Mm. Um, about 
six years ago, my videographer, who's also a really good friend of mine, he was extremely patient as I fumbled through trying to do some sort of video, audio, social media type work. Um, he was a friend of mine from high school. And um, so, yeah, he was extremely patient with me and, and was very, very generous with his time and, um, and somewhat, I suppose, coaching through that, that process as well. And uh, so he passed away in a car accident um, quite abruptly, as abruptly as I deliver that information to you all. And uh, I didn't know how to deal with that. Uh, it never happened to me in my lifetime before of having someone go so quickly. Um, and I thought about the conversations that I had with him and I thought about what would be the best way to honor him. Um, and so I did a video a day for a year, just a, a quick like Facebook live or uploaded a video, um, which was, I sat here in the gym, like for nights that like he's here at 9.30 PM being like, oh, let's just try again tomorrow after like hours of doing work together, poor fellow. And then, um, you know, actually funnily enough on the, on the, the, the night before he passed, he, um, he asked if, you know, I wanted to go to the movies with him. It's something that he absolutely loved. And so he loved film. He loved movies. He loved anything to do with it. And so that was what I did. And I did that for a year. It's probably still on Facebook. I think if you were to search the hashtag Alex's legacy, and uh, I did that for a year. Then I asked anyone that had been watching for majority of the, of the year, what would you like to um, see? And so they said a podcast. And so I started doing a podcast called, called Mood Prep. And that was a 10-minute podcast, five days a week. Um, it was a really, really simple and easy way for me to basically journal, for me to have to learn more things. So I'd have to be able to go, what am I going to be talking about this week and do more research and do more learning and, and learn to talk through my own thoughts. And, um, and yeah, so that evolved, it evolved from mood prep, I think to, so alpha theta is in reference to brainwaves actually. And so we've established, and I say we as in a greater society has established that when someone's in what they would refer to as a state of flow, then there is a balance of, um, alpha and theta brainwaves, which is a certain hertz. And so it's this awareness yet like complete um, sort of almost disconnect, but not in the word of like how a lot of people may use it um, from trauma, it's disconnect as in uh, there's no gap between them and their environment. And so that's where that alpha theta is. And so that's where alpha theta flow comes in to speak. And that's where a lot of the work that I do now is looking at the physiology and psychology of how people can show up or, you know, authentically for them, so to speak, but um, more so showing up. And I think that's probably the basis of today's conversation with intent and, and meeting the moment. So, and, and really the podcast evolved into something that the podcast is like just an extension of the conversation, but giving people the tools or, or resources that they already have within inside themselves to be able to show up, you know, and be more present more often. Mm -hmm. So, yeah and bringing this kind of um theory or methodology to um coaching as well so we we you know apply a lot of this into the way we coach at funk so how would you how would you describe that from a coaching perspective bringing more intention to training and coaching as well it's it's an interesting conversation because I think something that's worth noting is then what's the difference between training and coaching. Mm -hmm. And so 
they're different fields. And majority of the time in the industry, people slap the word coach on their shirt and they're fucking sweet, ace, I'm a coach. Mm. It's like, well, coaching is actually a completely different field. Um, even in the sense of like a sporting team, the coach doesn't really like at a professional level, the coach is not the trainer. And so training is actually teaching people skill. So you're, and, and it, that could be, you know, in a workplace environment, there's, there's you know, team training in that, in that space. But from a gym setting, training is actually, you know, helping to transfer a skill or develop a person's skill. Coaching, you could almost think more is the way that we communicate, the way that we um, work with individuals. But also coaching is holding the coachee, the subject, um, as the professional in their subject, which is them. And so that's where on the floor, training slash coaching is probably more realistic and more accurate than simply calling yourself a coach and then creating codependencies because that person needs you there to be able to do the work and, and so forth. And so that's a really disempowering space. And that's unfortunately what a big part of the fitness industry does unknowingly. Um, I've been a part of that. And I think that, that, you know, at some point I was like, I was like, hang on a sec. So these, I get these people results, but if I remove me from the equation, then the results go away. And so I'm actually, I'm like, I'm trying, I'm, I'm superficially, solving the issue that i'm actually also kind of perpetrating by you know like let's help you lose weight and um and then becoming um i'm being somewhat motivational or, or so forth but really what i'm doing is creating codependence and um that's one of the most disempowering things and it's 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 in the face of um of being empowering because we look at the results that we got sort of so you know unfortunately for a lot of people were sacrificing progression for short-term results. And so, um, and then that's called marketing in the fitness industry. And so coaching is really making sure that we're actually working long-term with an individual um, and maintaining that they're the, you know, the expert in the subject, because I can't, I can't get a gauge of what they, they, they sense, like their kinesthetic sense, their, their kinesthetic intelligence, that's their job. And so a healthy role of a coach slash trainer, trainer slash coach in a gym setting is to help that person develop their kinesthetic awareness um, as opposed to just following the exercise technique cues of my, my standards of what a barbell deadlift should look like doesn't actually teach that person how to match tension to task outside of the gym. So telling them the correct cues from a textbook of how to do a barbell deadlift when they leave that facility and they never touch anything that even remotely resembles a barbell, it doesn't teach them how to create the adequate amount of tension and learn how to breathe well based upon what state they want to be in to move a pot plant upstairs, which is an, a task that is going to occur or a variation of that for, for most people. But simply picking up a thin, evenly distributed barbell up and down a couple of times and just working off a couple of cues such as squeeze my glutes, brace my core, doesn't actually necessarily correspond to that person developing their own kinesthetic awareness and intelligence. So that's a massive component of how we communicate and, and work with people on the gym floor um, so that they have that skill deepened over years, as opposed to um, relying on my eyes for feedback to know whether they're doing something right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Love that. So could we go back to a little bit more uh, around the topic of intent or intention? I would like to know, I think, Gina, you were asking as well from a coaching point of view, maybe you could summarise what you mean by that, really. 
mm-hmm. um, the word intent or bringing intention. I, I know that you kind of touched a little bit on being more present maybe in in how you come across in the moment or. Yeah, so what I meant also was um, a coach's ability to teach their client how to train with intent and really understand what is their purpose and what is what is their why behind doing what they're doing bring intent to their to their training and to life in general yeah so to speak to that a big part of that is is the um the approach that we choose to take to training and that from a coaching standpoint so commonly we see a results-centric approach which means that this is the program right or an objective centric approach which this is a program you know follow the program trust the trust the process that kind of stuff um and unfortunately, sometimes in doing so, which we, of course, have been following a program is crucial and I'm fully aware of that. It's not, this isn't an either or, it's an end. Mm-hmm. And so it, it looking at that, it's like helping that person learn how to uh, have a program that they are following and then have flexibility and bandwidth within that for themselves. Because, you know, if we're working like you can see it a lot in powerlifting and I think some powerlifting examples where they use RPE rate of perceived effort, that's a decent model where it's allowing you to go, how am I feeling on any given specific day? You know, and what, what's the reason why I'm doing this? Like, what, do, what do I want to get out of this? This is my workout. Not, not just because someone put it on a whiteboard and they said, this is the workout and this is what you need to do. But this is my workout. What do I want to focus on? What, what is it that I want to get out of today? And part of that could be simply just learning to nasal breathe through this movement and letting that be the pace. And why would we nasal breathe? Well, that's obviously another whole conversation, but it's a lot to do with being able to manage state and manage, you know, becoming efficient and um, a whole bunch of other benefits that go with that. But the intent is allowing that person to learn that are you doing this just habitually reactively because you think it's at some point you're going to feel good because if you're doing this based on a condition in the future, the difficulty is that when you get to that future, you're going to, it's, it's, it's always just push further down the road. So this is your workout today. What is it you want to get out of this workout? And traditionally people find that very difficult to begin with because it's, it's sort of like, I just want to have a good workout, but over time, like anything, it moves from general to being more specific. It's just like, I just want to leave today where it is. And I just want to be in my body as I move, not habitually as in, when people often talk about how training is um, they train hard because then they basically silence their head, they're putting themselves in a fight or flight response. And so it's, it's a bandaid of what's going on for them mentally. And this is why we need to look at physiology and psychology and subjective objective, rather than just trying to solve subjective issues just by exercising really hard exercise. um, all for exercising hard, but it's got to be deliberate. It's got to be like, what role is this playing in my life with all these other things that I'm doing, as opposed to this solves the monkey mind that's going on. And so you can just to speak quickly to that. You can absolutely still train intelligently hard while focusing on your breath, like you would in yoga or meditation um, and, and your body senses without having to go into a fight or flight response. Um, which is a significantly, you know, greater deliberate conscious intent for a workout than it is to simply blindly flog yourself so hard that you forget 
fucking tax that you got to do or something like you know whatever it is you're doing feeding the kids um but yeah so it's the kind of thing where looking at building a tent versus and i know there's conversations around intention and attention and I'll, I'll give you a story on that later but it's making sure that you're doing this deliberately and you know why you're doing it for you yeah i can definitely relate to that that's something that i actually really love about going to my yoga is because it's the one thing that we're they are quite big on when you enter the room it's what is your intention for today and originally you might think oh going to yoga um and when I started this is what I said uh stretch uh get more flexible and the the uh instructor would say no what is your intention why what do you want to get out of today why are you here today and you know after time that became such a huge range of things for me, you know, like entering into a class and actually thinking about, well, this is how I feel when I enter. How do I want to feel when I leave? Like, what am I here to do? And I realized after time, it wasn't to get, you know, stretched, <laughs> but there are so many other intentions behind that, um, you know, that you can get out of what you're actually doing than just the, the physical aspect. So for me, it could be, you know, stress relief, breathing, a lot of the time focusing on breath work, um, or it might be to uh, calm my mind. Um, there's so many different things, you know. And, and so now for me, I can definitely relate to that walking into a class and thinking about what my actual intention is for that day and for how I feel that day and bringing that to what I'm doing in the yoga class. So um, it's interesting like that's something I definitely learned through yoga though um, as opposed to my general training and I guess being a competition focused training as well um, that's definitely something I've learned from yoga <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and it's it's funnily enough it's from like an, an eastern approach right yoga is an, is an eastern not a western approach mm. um, whereas you know western western approach wants to break everything down into spreadsheets and the sciences and all this sort of stuff it almost loses the the actual human in the conversation and so it becomes result centric as opposed to person centric and so this is where for you and that's that's integrating all of the spreadsheets and the data and that as well but mm -hmm. but you aren't a spreadsheet you're not data there there is a whole you there um and that's where one of the most beautiful things i remember hearing through my coach training was um you know lose your mind and come to your senses and so one of the things around that is like to fuck the monkey mind off but, but you do that not by going into fight or flight you do that by bring like you mentioned just coming into your body yeah. coming into your breath being able to sense your body and yoga and meditation are absolutely fantastic ways to do that and if you can grab those same sort of skills and you apply it to your physical training then it can take on many different facets. And this is where the word intent's crucial because intent can be something that is both this nice, soft, feminine approach and this quite driven masculine approach. And I'm not saying women are men. I'm saying that strength training has that in it. And I think there's a real importance to be able to also carry that across into what's my intent today. Yeah. Yeah. Could you tell us a little, Dave, about, um, sorry if this is a little bit off topic, but I would like to dive in a little more about uh, Minding Your Business and a little bit more about the book. Minding Yourself? 
minding yourself. Sorry. Yep. That's all right. I try and mind my business as best I can. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm like. What did I say? Minding your business. Yeah, you told me to stay in my chair. Stay there. Mind your business. Minding yourself. Uh, minding myself. Minding myself. That's what I have to do when I read it. And and just to clarify, the second book that is coming out is a sequel to that, right? It, yeah, it's an extension of it. That's correct. Yeah. So minding yourself was. Uh, <coughs> It looked at these three areas of health. Um, I, I struggle to try and uh, try and avoid calling them pillars, but uh, looked at these three areas of health extensively, of like move, mind, and mouth, so nutrition, so to speak. And one of the key things here was making sure that we could um, give people these things to really reflect on and consider in themselves, and the way that that we think and the way that we have. Um, developed our frames of mind over the years also impacts our physical results and, and maybe our relationship with food, um, which it absolutely does. And so the, the traditional, like, just think positive sort of, and I think we, it's commonly called toxic positivity nowadays, but just think positive is a, is a really shallow and simplistic approach and will provide the individual with a, with a shit ton of issues um, because it's to th just think positive as an example is, is a really negative approach because anything that you don't deem to be positive is negative. It's, it's, it's sort of blinded by that. Right. And so this isn't about, uh, positive strategies to be able to deal with difficult situations. I sort of don't really, uh, align with that to some degree. So the way that this book is more so written is to give you an indication of how have I developed over time to, to see the world, my worldview? How is that serving me? How is it not serving me? And what is it that I need to change in order to change the results that I want moving forward in the future? One of the biggest lessons that I learned working in the industry with thousands of people over the last 18 years or whatever it's been is people train the way they treat themselves and people treat themselves the way that they were trained as a kid. And so it's really interesting. What I, what I think I do more than anything is called exposure training. I don't call it that on the website. It's just, I want to give people these slight little bits of exposure so they can start to see themselves, see what they do when they're under a little bit of stress or, or there's you know, an external source of stress such as exposure to cold or similar. And what this does is that it brings up these you know, deep-seated beliefs that they may hold. Um, and more often than not, it's our unconscious frames frames is another word for beliefs that we developed um that really can stop us from moving forward for our conscious goals and so this book is heavily subjective and there is still some objective components in there i didn't want to put a training program or anything in there because it's it's up to the individual to be like what's more important than the training you do is how much you enjoy so so you need to be doing something you enjoy if you, if you fucking hate your training then it's it's chances are it's not going to be like long-term consistent. You're probably going to yo-yo, all this sort of stuff. So do, there's, there's plenty of people that don't have gym memberships that are far healthier than a lot of people that do. And so we don't need a gym to be healthy coming from a gym owner. What's important is that you do something you enjoy and there's, there is definitely aspects of social health to that as well. So if tennis and walking your dogs and being part of a dog walking group, if that's your thing, like that is far healthier than you going to a gym and hating it. Mm. Because that hour in the gym isn't an hour anymore. It's leading up to it being like, no, oh, fuck, I got to do this. And then the complaining that we're like, it's just, just don't do it. 
And I mean that genuinely. It's not healthy. If you were like that with a friend, if you had a friend like that, mm-hmm. that you would be like, oh, God, i got to hang out with this person for an hour. And then it's like, what kind of friendship is that? That's not a healthy relationship. And so the people have that with training. They have that with food. They have that with people in their family. And so the it's book was there to be quickly. able to give... I was going to say just on that quickly, it's interesting because as well, sometimes an individual's experience of the gym in inverted commas was a non-desirable, like a a negative experience, right? So also when, when someone has, um, when they've had an unfortunate or negative experience that maybe contributed, that may maybe multiple factors that contributed to that. So it's not just one size fits all necessarily. Totally. The other thing to add to that as well is the great point, Gina, is, is find a gym that you enjoy. Yeah. That ticks the boxes of what you're looking for. So. And sometimes it's people not being comfortable with being uncomfortable, like the discomfort of training and their experience brought up, a, you know, an under, you know, negative response, you know, when really it could be slowly acclimatizing yourself to that discomfort um, or training in a slightly different way that is, is more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you obviously spend a lot of time in knee gender as well, because this will probably sound familiar, but I, I sort of assigned to a couple of different things than what's probably traditional in the industry. An example of that is I don't believe anyone really self-sabotages. Yeah. Right. And the reason being is that it depends what we, how we use the word self. So let's use the word self as like an authentic version of you. Okay. But that, that self also includes all of the unconscious beliefs that you're, you're not, that aren't in your awareness. I'm using the word unconscious as in unaware. And so you have a conscious goal and you're going to get close to your conscious goal and then you sabotage it, inverted commas. And you're like, I keep on self-sabotaging. It's like, probably not. You're probably ego-sabotaging. And what I mean by that, and ego is not, I'm using that word in a negative sense. Ego is just our personality structures. That's how I'm using that. Is that you, if, you have a, if you have a belief or a frame in your, out of your awareness that is in conflict to you achieving your conscious goal, it means that if you achieved your conscious goal, you would actually be sabotaging the frame and belief that you hold to be true out of your awareness. And so it's not really a self, you're not self-sabotaging because then we're looking at the wrong issue. The, the issue is, is that there's some, there's some software, old software that once served a purpose that is no longer serving a purpose and it's stopping you from updating your current hardware. And so this is where we need to go into that software. And this is an, an example of this could be somebody continues to self-sabotage to use that example again at the gym, they're trying to get fit, but they don't, but for them, none of their family grew up healthy and fit, whatever that may mean, but guys get a general gist of it. And so whenever they go to family catch-ups, outings to see their parents, there's always these sort of snarky little negative comments, kind of passive. And so it's almost like if they did become healthy and fit and who they really wanted to be consciously, they would be ostracized from the family and they would disappoint their parents. And so the pain of doing that is actually far more than the pain of the frustration of themselves. They're just not aware of it. And so this is one of the challenges of looking at this and going, there's so many reasons and variations of why we may not be doing something and we're looking at the wrong issues. So we're looking at going, oh, I just keep on yo-yoing. I just keep self-sabotaging. I just, I'm not following my program and all these other sort of, let's call them identities come up where it's just like, well, hang on a sec. You know, what's the positive intention for you? And this might sound counterintuitive, but what would, what would, what's the positive intention for you for not achieving your goals? 
what are you benefit? How are you benefiting by not achieving them? And if we're brave enough to go in and be honest with ourselves and go, well, if I, if I don't achieve it, how, how could that be benefiting me? So it's like, well, I guess I, I get accepted by my family, even though I don't really want to be accepted by them because they're not really healthy and they're kind of judgmental, but they're my family. Right. Does, here we go. Maybe, maybe we're on saying here. Maybe this is the issue that we're looking at rather than I'm just not motivated or, you know, I keep yo-yoing, so to speak. On a surface level, it sounds ridiculous thinking, oh, the family might not accept me, right? Yeah. But what we've got to realize is that this is deep. This is deeper, deeper down. This isn't surface level. Of course, family, yeah. of course, your family wants to accept you. However, you know, leaning back on the, you know, potential that someone, if there's if someone changes, then therefore they're excluded from the tribe. You know, they're, they're, they're an, an outsider. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And back in the day, a very, very long time ago, that, that meant death, but the, to be excluded from the family can be a very painful thing. And so sometimes the results that we're getting are actually a solution to a different problem. Um, and when we can start to address it like that, we start to be able to bring that, what was in our, out of our awareness to the forefront and be like, that's kind of a little bit like hearing me say that sounds a bit silly now, but I can see how that served me because as a kid, I had, like you needed your family. They fed you. They looked after you. They were familiar. That's where the word family and familiar is actually related for that reason. And so if you were to get rid of that, then it's this whole new, well, whole new reality, whole new map of reality, which is extremely scary. You're out on your own. And so could it make sense that somebody would stay overweight and unhealthy for the sake of not being ostracized? I would argue, yeah. So when we just beat them with more spreadsheets and pushing harder in the gym, it doesn't work because they're going to guess what? Self-sabotage. So there's these sorts of things. So the book is written for people to be able to read through that, reflect on that and have, they've already got all the fucking tools and resources. There's, there's nothing that they need outside of them. As you grow and learn, of course, you add to that toolkit of strategies or whatever, but you, the problem exists in you. And the problem was at one point a solution. And when we can recognize that at one point it was a solution, then we can start to learn to, it starts to lose its, its power and pull on us. Mm. And we start to be able to start consciously choosing how we want to show up. What's my intention for today? And people can call this healing. I think that's a, that's a nice word to sort of help explain that. You don't have to have a terrible childhood to not have things to heal from. Mm. Um, and it becomes powerful because now you're not acting, I mentioned before, habitually. People go, oh, it's, you know, it's just natural for me. No, it's habitual. It might feel natural, but the more that you keep saying it's natural, the more you won't change it because it's nature, not you. Mm. And so it's habitual. I'm reactioning a behavior. When we can start to see this, we start taking ownership of what's really happening for us. And that's where your fucking power lays. That's empowerment. Mm. And that can be what's so powerful about taking the time to reflect and look and dig deep for these, these beliefs that are under the surface. They're the ones that aren't necessarily in our awareness. And once we find them, like Dave said, they, they lose their power. They start, they, you can start to rationalize and look at them a little bit more and they're not as, they're not as, um, as hidden or under the surface. Yeah. So for our listeners, if anyone is listening to this podcast and thinking, or maybe they've just, you know, never thought about this before, <laughs> obviously minding yourself um, covers a lot of this, your book, but is there any other suggestions or things that you, or advice or just sort of 
ways that you could um, encourage our audience to be able to start looking into their intention or, or exploring this more? Like where would yeah. they start? Podcasts? Um, yeah, what, what advice do you have in the way of that? Um, I mean, obviously there's my podcast as well. And I say that as in like this hundreds um, in the mm-hmm. 10 minutes. You're not meant to agree with everything. That's not how life works. Um, take it with a grain of salt. After 800 podcasts, I definitely say things that someone would disagree with. So there's, there's that, and that's free, right? Um, one of the first models, and we use a lot of models for um, our understanding of how we may think and why we may do, do what we do. Um, one of the models we use as our, let's call it a personality type indicator, is called the Enneagram. And it's a little bit different to the traditional Western style, um, more, I would suggest, rigid type personality indicators. It would be situated more as what's called a psycho-spiritual model. Um, it, unfortunately, the word spiritual can sometimes lose its true essence of the word, but it's literally looking at you both as the psychological structures that you have and the core being that you are that can show up in any given moment in its full presence. And so the Enneagram, you can do a, what's called a Rahidi test. I mean, I'm sure Jenny can put this in the notes. Mm-hmm. Um, Rahidi just stands for Risa Hudson, the two guys that are um, more modern day forefathers of, of the Enneagram. Uh, Risa Hudson Enneagram type indicator. It takes 40 minutes. I think it costs like 12 or $14. And that'll spit out a bunch of results for you. Not that you are. It's not about that. A, it's an indication. But B, it should give you you should be able to learn this model and type yourself and go, these are the things I do under stress, right? I can see that. And these are the things I do when I feel secure. Great. And so how do I then, it ends up being its own personal development model. How do I then start to become aware of these old behaviors and reactions, right? And then start to over time choose um, to, to move forward from that. So there's, there's definitely, those are like some really simple, easy, affordable ways the fastest way is coaching, one-on-one coaching. Um, I remember going through and doing all my study and Gina, Gina did the study with me in the coaching room. And um, the I did a shit ton of one-on-one coaching with them um, for a bunch of different reasons. And it is absolutely the fastest way because a very, very skilled individual is holding up a mirror and showing you all of the stuff that's coming out um, that you may not be aware of and I definitely wasn't so that's the fastest way but it's obviously it's on the other end so um, it's you know you're paying 150 bucks minimum an hour um, but you're not you're not pay, you're investing that in yourself <laughs> like that's the other thing as well so there's a couple of different avenues um, to get to begin with free podcasts around that sort of stuff I would be mentioning multiple books all the way through that podcast okay. um, and uh, but the first thing is, is otherwise do the Enneagram, get that indication of understanding yourself better. Of course, my book, Minding Yourself. Um, and you then... Sorry that people start from the beginning of the podcast or can they just jump in sort of anywhere? Yeah, I think anywhere would probably be whatever, whatever sort of tickles your fancy because um, there's so many topics. I definitely wasn't skilled or procedure enough to build one to 770. It's like, no, go back to one. <laughs> Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. So it's not, not your question, just if I had the skill set to do so. So it was, and, and obviously I grew and changed during that period. So I expressed things differently during three or four years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there are probably a couple of different avenues that I would really recommend. Um, but if you're after change, 
and assistance, then it's finding a coach, you know, and, and most people listening to this gym is very skilled in that area. Um, and like myself, but it's also the powerful thing about coaching is that it's finding out what the person wants. And then if you as the coach, me or Gina or the next person is the right conduit for it. If we're not, we need to refer. So, um, so there are probably a couple of different pathways that I'd recommend to start with. Um, and then if you have, if you go through that and you have specific questions, I'm more than happy to answer them and point in directions as well. So alternatively, um, you can come to one of our retreats. Which I am doing and I'm very excited to be going to one of your retreats in the end, at the end of June, I believe. So Yeah, it's a two-day retreat, which we look at the, the physiology and psychology and it's actually a heavy basis of what my next book is on. So. Oh, great. Awesome. So is there anything else um, just on this topic, um, Dave, that you can think of? Any advice or any anything that you just think is worth sharing to our audience, I guess? Um, any other points on this subject? Yeah. Um, there's a story that came up just before for me as we we're talking. And I think um, it's a really good reminder and indication of where we may sometimes look for answers in the wrong places and so a lot of the work we do at here at funk but i do as well is looking at the subjective world the the, the psychological world so to speak um but it's making sure that both there's the same weight for both physiology and psychology there's no like this one's more important than this one or so forth. The, the physical world is easier to measure. It's easy to look at. The psychological world is we have to look in. We have to be able to go in, ask the questions and see what arises within us. And there's a story that I remember hearing years ago. And I think it was Wayne Dwyer. He's since passed. He's written a bunch of books. Um, I'm pretty sure I heard it on one of his YouTube videos at some point. And he tells this story about this guy comes home and his neighbours is in is in his front yard, in the neighbour's front yard. Um, and he's looking around on the ground and he asks his neighbour who's looking in the ground for the, um, what, are, what are you doing? He says, I'm trying to find my watch. And he's like, oh, do you want a hand? He's like, yeah, that'd be great. He's like, okay. So they're out there, it's afternoon and they're looking for this watch. They're looking everywhere through the front yard. And um, then it's getting to dark and the, start, the sun's starting to get down, it's hard to see. and guy that arrived home asked the neighbor who's looking for the watch he's like mate I, it's getting real dark i don't think we're going to find this where did you lose it and he goes oh, i lost it inside and he goes well if you lost it inside why are you looking outside for it and that's a question we need to ask ourselves a lot with a lot of this sort of stuff is that if, if there's something inside that's that's we need to do why are we looking outside for the solution for what's inside yeah i love that Deep dive. Mm. You'll cry you, probably, Dave. but it's okay. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Dave. Thanks for having me on. I thoroughly enjoyed being on with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really important topic to share with our audience, definitely. So, um, and there's a lot that they can take away from today. Um, I think we can add some of those suggestions into the notes for sure. Yeah. It, it is the Body and Beyond podcast, right? Exactly. So. so these are important discussions for, for people to self-reflect and find out what's really important for them and what they want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, thanks guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you, Dave, for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Dave. See you guys. All right, guys, that was my first episode with Alice and Gina on the Body and Beyond podcast. They've done so well with that podcast. They've got some amazing talent on and interviewed and um, they've got a lot of uh, really important content, especially for women, but it's also for for men alike. So the, the biggest thing that I'd really recommend is to make sure you get on and listen to them. You can follow their stuff. They, they share a lot more than I am at the moment on socials and they it's exceptional content and their circle is an exceptional circle as well. So I'm very fortunate to be considered a part of that. Um, I will upload the second part next week for you guys, but that's kind of it for me. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you jump on and follow the Body and Beyond podcast, follow Gina Louise Coaching and Alice Jane. And you can find her at Alice E. Jane on Instagram. Uh, if you've, if this podcast resonated with you, if you enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you pass it on to someone else you think would also enjoy it. Uh, if you haven't already, you can grab a copy of my book, Money Yourself, anywhere online um, or uh, should be in bookstores as well. Otherwise, you can get a signed one from me, alphathetaflow.com. Uh, but that's it from me. Big love, peace and pizza. I will see you all soon.